playing the Radical Latino Show. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands in the air for New York's very own. Latino is taking you to another level. people to another episode of the radical latino show it's your host the radical latino oh my god how are y'all fuck all that how y'all doing y'all doing great y'all doing great this whole quarantine thing man how you guys enjoying the new look um for people on youtube that's listening to the podcast not well on the podcast itself i got a new logo you guys probably saw it when you guys woke up or whatever and saw the new logo and stuff I want to give a shout out to the No Filter Podcast. They helped me hook it up. They, you know, they they helped out your boy. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to them and anybody that does a, that does content. If you guys want a similar look, go hit them up. Shout out to the No Filter Podcast. That interview that I did with them is gonna come out, you know, next week. You know what I'm saying? But. Uh, for people on YouTube, how do you guys like the look? You know what I'm saying? I got, you know, shit in the background, all my different facial expressions moving around. You know what I'm saying? So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys like it. You know, um, it, it's a, it's a new refreshing look. You know what I'm saying? I don't, you know, I don't want to keep doing the same old, same old shit where, you know, it gets tiring. You know what I'm saying? It gets tiring. You got to at least maneuver and move and. And you know you you shouldn't be just a one trick pony. You know what I'm saying? You gotta at least do other other shit that's that's different. You feel me? Other shit that's different. But I hope you guys enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? I hope you guys enjoy it. And um, you know there's there's more to come. You know my uh, my YouTube game. You know what I'm saying? My YouTube game with my YouTube editing skills is uh is gonna go you know up and up and up. You know what I'm saying? Everything is gonna change, you know what I'm saying? For the better. Everything's gonna change for the better, you know what I'm saying? Cause, um, uh, you know, we're getting closer to that episode 100, guys. This is episode 83. We're getting closer to that episode 100. Also, I want to give a um, I just want to let you guys know next week's episode, like I said, is gonna be the interview with the No Filter Podcast. Now this is something i'm gonna do different with a no filter podcast uh next week that podcast for the first time ever i'm gonna have an interview that is on video basically you're gonna be seeing both of them on video and and watching it the people listening to the part you can still listen to the podcast or whatever but if you want to see it visually you know just you know just stay tuned for for next week you know what I'm saying? That's going to be a great interview. Um, we had lots of fun, you know, talking, getting to know them because actually to tell you the truth, I was a little nervous just interviewing them because to be completely honest, they kind of became one of my favorite podcasts, you know, um, as of recent, you know what I'm saying? And, um, mind you, I got, I got introduced to them, not because of the whole Miko thing, because they covered it. Um, I'm glad that they covered it, you know? But I got introduced to them, um, you know, like I think a couple of episodes before that, you know what I mean? When, when, uh, with the whole PewDiePie thing, they, they talked about PewDiePie. I just saw it in my recommended. I'm like, who are these guys? You know, and just, 
I kept on checking them out, and um, you know, they're a bunch of two Dominican dudes. So you know, shout out to them. I want to get you know, give shout out to the No Filter Podcast with Ruben and Jay. Shout out to them. You know, they they became one of my favorite podcasts, and uh, you know, I'm glad that I got to know them a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? And this might this is gonna be this, that interview that you guys are gonna hear next week is gonna serve for you guys to get to know them a little bit more. You know, just just not just one sided. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, um, before I get into this, you know, the whole thing with the with the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Before I get into the whole thing, I want to read the the comments for last week's episode, baby, baby. Oh my God. So last week's episode was me interviewing QB Willie. Okay. <laughs> okay. Me interviewing QB Willie. And the thing is that it was a very controversial episode, extremely controversial. The reason for that is because of the things that he said, you know, mind you, we could agree and disagree. It's that's totally fine. But the things that he said and the things that he believed, a lot of women, a lot of women got mad that I even had him on that. I even had him on a lot of women got pissed off. They, they, they were like, how can you have somebody like that? Boo, 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 and all this other stuff. Right? So I want to read a couple of comments, right? Um, Buck says, thanks a lot for sharing. Okay, cool. Miss Hass says, this guy makes my skin crawl. In fact, many men that pay for women do. You know, and she has like a little emoji face or whatever the case is. <laughs> but uh, QB interact with her and all that. But <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of hilarious. You know what I'm saying? Again, uh, Jan, uh, please show your face. Please, my sister's your biggest fan. Are you serious? Like, <laughs> bro, I'm gonna show my face when I'm gonna show my face, okay? Chill out, you know? <laughs> Chill out. Like, these people, I'll talk about that campaign in a minute, but these people are so insane. Um, so yeah, those are, those are, uh, I really, enjoy. so Sir Jack says, I like the guests that you, uh, that you have seen him do other enjoyable. YouTube interviews. Um, I couldn't listen to the whole thing. I missed a few gems. Um, but speaking, something is lacking on your video interview process. It sounds like you should have 15 questions on paper and those questions. So it's basically, uh, Sir Jack is basically just, you know, um, giving me some constructive criticism. Shout out to you. You know what I'm saying? I'll definitely take, uh, take that into effect. You know, so those are the comments. And if you guys want your comments read on next week's episode make sure you guys go to the youtube you know my youtube channel you know what i'm saying the radical latino go to this episode you know not the not the not the one not episode 82 episode 83 you know what i'm saying go to episode 83 and write your comments and uh i'll read it for next week you know what i'm saying but those are the comments for last week's episode now my YouTube channel 
is about to hit 1,000 subscribers um, pretty soon, you know? So I want to give a huge shout out to you guys. Yes, a round of applause. A huge shout out to me. You know, I'm glad that you guys are listening, liking everything that you guys are hearing. Um, shout out to ya. You know what I'm saying? Um, with that being said, I know I don't, I'm not going to get a thousand subscribers of just fans. I know I'm not going to get a thousand subscribers of, of supporters. I know I'm not going to get a thousand subscribers of people, you know, wanting, you know, the, to hear the truth and wanting to be sti mentally stimulated. No, I'm not going to get that. I know in a large subscriber count like that, you are going to get haters. You are going to get some enemies. You'll be foolish to have, you know, a subscribers count that large and not think there won't be any enemies around you. Like, you know, um, like the, like Malcolm X said, you know, so I know that's going to happen. And which leads me to my next thing that I want to say is that there's been a campaign to basically expose my real name, expose my real face and expose everything about me to basically get embarrassed me and get me the fuck up out of YouTube. Not only YouTube, but just get me the fuck up out of here. You know, the thing with that being said is that, you know, there's, there's entities and people out here, you know, running campaigns into trying to hack my Twitter account. These people are really trying to hack my Twitter account. I'm waking up. This is the second time I'm waking up to Twitter telling me, yo, you got to put in your, your code. You got to put in your code. You got to put in your code. You know what I'm saying? Because I got a two step, um, you know, altercation. And the thing, the thing about that is if I don't have that, then they will have access to my Twitter. You know what I'm saying? So there's a campaign out here to really get me out of here. Um, I'm also seeing YouTube comments of people getting random supporters of mine or random Instagram videos, just people that look like my Bemoji, just people who just resemble it. Yo, this is radical right here, right here. This is radical. We got them. You know what I'm saying? And I see that and I sit back and I laugh. You know what I'm saying? I laugh. You know why? Because though this is the reason why once why I hide my face, you know, to protect myself, but I'll show my face one day. I'll show my face one day, but this basically goes to show this goes to show that I'm doing something right because they wouldn't be doing this for somebody who just speaking buffoonery. If I was Antonio Batista, if I was Dominican Renaissance, if I was a Rican if I was any of those little fuckface weirdos speaking that racist shit, oh, best believe I'll be safe. Best believe I'll be safe. You know, nobody's going to want to find out who the hell I am. All these little trolls that will leave me alone will just agree with me. But the simple fact that I'm speaking the truth. The simple fact that I'm riding in cages, 
the simple fact that I'm out here actually for my own people and waking my own people up to get away from that European mentality, that's what they find an issue with and that's why they want to get me out of here. I already see it. I see it for the game that it is. And I'm happy for that. Because that means I'm doing something that they feel threatened by. Not the fact that I go after certain people. Not the fact that I say what I say. Not the fact that I'm unfiltered and raw. No. The fact that I talk about white supremacy and their little quote unquote, you're not pro Latino bullshit. Because that's a cold word. Being pro to them, being pro Latino is being racist. That's what they're, you know, that's what their cold word is. You know what I'm saying? If you really go down my whole archive, even on YouTube, I got more shit on YouTube than I do on my podcast. If you go down that whole shit, you will see that I got a mad pro Latino shit. This is part five of the dark history of America's war on Latin people. What's more pro Latino than that? You know what I'm saying? What's more pro Latino than that? The only thing that I'm doing is that I'm speaking about white supremacy and how it affects us. And I do that on a daily basis. And to them and to these little fuck face widows, oh, you're talking about white people because I'm white and I see myself as Spanish. Oh shit. No, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about white supremacy, white supremacy. That's all I'm saying. All white people are not white supremacists. That's it. That's something people just people can't figure that one out. You know what I'm saying? It goes from one ear out the other. They want to hear what they want to hear. It is what it is. So I'm about to get 1,000 subs. So with 1,000 subs, I'm gonna get one more. I'm gonna get a thousand more problems. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know. But um, I hope you guys like the new channel. Not the new channel. I'm sorry. The new look for the channel. The new logo. Also, you know, and. The thing is, and this is, and this is some, some other thing. It's funny that I got a thousand followers very quickly on my podcast, but not a thousand followers on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? And on YouTube, I'm about to hit a thousand followers, on, you know, on both platforms. But yet my Instagram and Twitter is like at 400. So what's up? Come on guys, you guys gotta follow me. Hit them, you know, subscribe button, all that, you know what I'm saying? But I hope everybody's doing well on this quarantine day again. Um, also, just, uh, just you know, other things about the quarantine right now, right? Um, the governor of New York City, of, oh, I'm sorry, of New York, extended the quarantine, I think to May 12th or something like that, so that's another thing that happened, you know, like, okay. Um, other things that's happening because of this whole quarantine, our, um, our air admissions, for some reason, our air admissions are clearing up, which is kind of crazy. They're saying that New York City's air admission with, um, China, Europe, and I think the, the, the other one was Florida, no, California, I'm sorry. All these like uh, countries and cities, our air admissions are clearing up, and it's not, you know, it, it's actually, it's actually like, you know, 
having less carbon monoxide in the atmosphere and it's actually they saw that some of the the glaciers actually you know got thicker based on that for some strange reason and i'm like wait a minute is there some benefits to this whole quarantine coronavirus thing you you know what i'm saying is there like a benefit to this like 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 what's going on you know what i'm saying like like what's up because i i didn't even think of something like this that will happen you know what i'm saying i wasn't thinking about this i wasn't even like saying like i didn't see no benefits coming out of this whole quarantine thing you know what i'm saying but apparently there is so you know look what's happening now you know also another benefit well not a benefit something strange apparently um animals in rural parts of america are actually coming out um and wandering parts of the city parts of towns where humans used to occupy since nobody's outside anymore animals aren't afraid you know so that's a very interesting thing it doesn't take much for animals to come back into civilization and try to rummage through it so just imagine if we just all up and disappeared one day you know what i'm saying so that's kind of that's kind of crazy and i read another article where new york city rats right now are starving and they are becoming a uh, they're becoming violence against each other um uh, 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 apparently because there's not many um people outside that means uh, all the restaurants that were throwing food out on a nightly basis aren't throwing garbage out anymore. All the all the people that were eating on the subway and throwing food on the tracks aren't doing that anymore. And now they they're seeing some urban scientists are seeing that because of this cold quarantine thing, everybody's at home. Rats are they're they're resolved into either eating each other or try to eat or or kill pigeons which is kind of insane and i'm like holy shit is it really like is it really that crazy out here is it really that fucking crazy out here so um if you're a rat and you're listening to this hold your head up player you know what I'm saying? Hold your head up, uh, Master Splinter. You know, my fault. I, you know, I didn't mean. I, I don't mean that. You know, to to be funny, but I'm just saying, hold your head up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I know you gotta race. Um, you know, four little turtles, but you know, hold your head up. You know what I'm saying? Um, for all my NYC rats. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if anybody that doesn't know, anybody that hasn't been into New York City, if New York City has these fucking massive mutated sewer type rats. You know what I'm saying? That they're big as shit. You know, uh, probably like out in the country in rural areas, y'all probably seen some rats, but y'all haven't seen rats the size of New York City rats. You know what I'm saying? You think our buildings are big? Our rats are bigger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, our, our, our rats is like almost the size of house cats. To be completely honest, there's some cats that are, you know, that, that are, you know, homeless or whatever. And they're kind of afraid to even fight a rat, which is insane. 
which is it's fucking insane. So, uh, yeah, you guys should check out a documentary on YouTube about New York City rats and how um, people took it upon themselves to train dogs how to hunt rats and shit. It's kind of crazy. You guys should definitely check that out. Um, you guys will probably see what the hell I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, I'll, let's move on to my... F well, that was the update. Let's move on to the next topic. You know, Massachusetts protesters block street now this week a bunch of protesters from massachusetts decided to say you know what fuck this whole quarantine thing we need to work and we need to work now nah, uh, it's that's my money and i want it now so they decided they, they're sick of this shit let's stop this shit we're fucking sick of it we need to work and we need to work now so they all decided to go to city hall basically everybody lined their cars up and just create a gridlock that's basically what they decided they all decided to just create a gridlock because they need to start working and this is some bullshit they need to start working you know what i'm saying and the thing is just by hearing that, you guys will probably think, okay, yeah, I understand. I'll get frustrated too. But this is where the problem lies. This is where the problem lies. Because when this happened, when this whole gridlock thing happened, right? You guys will probably think, oh, it's just a gridlock thing, you know? And they should definitely work. You know, they should, they have to work. You know, why would they not work? But when you start seeing some of the protesters you'll start st you're gonna start noticing a couple of interesting factors some of their their signs are, are pro-trump some of them got MAGA hats some of them are wearing the confederate flag proudly mind you this is massachusetts this is as north as it gets north as it gets racist as shit as north as it gets you know what i'm saying and this is massachusetts but yet they got a confederate flag a southern flag you know what i'm saying so in other words it's not really a southern flag that flag represents racism let's let's keep it real but okay so they got a they got confederate flags and they're out there protesting like we won't take it we won't take it you know and all this other shit and the thing is mind you this whole quarantine is affecting everybody the whole quarantine is affecting everybody we all need to go back to work i understand that but look how these white people took matters into their own hands this is something i've always told people white people being oppressed that's all bullshit because when white people just take taste an inkling of oppression just a small inkling for some reason they become fucking scholars of the law for some reason they start they start knowing everything and uh, and all things ins and outs and who won what case and what year and people you never even heard of for some reason they end up being fucking harvard professors of law 
right then and there when they just taste an inkling, an inkling of injustice. Because in their mind, they're not supposed to taste that whatsoever. And especially when it's coming from a non-white person. Oh, baby. If you're a security, if you're a black Aladdin security guard telling a white person they can't go nowhere, they can't do a certain thing. Watch how they start buffing up and start showing their privilege. You know who my father is? He'll have your job, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Trust me. If that doesn't work, guess what? They'll end up blowing up or shooting up the place. Which, in turn, is funny because once you see these protesters, you'll start seeing militia groups all around the protesters somewhat like protecting them with open with, with, with fucking AK-47s and all that other crazy shit. And something I pointed out on YouTube and Twitter when I was seeing this, I said, wait a minute. Does Massachusetts have a open carry? Is Massachusetts an open carry state? A lot of people were telling me no, so I decided to look it up. And it says Massachusetts is not a traditional open carry state, but it is not a crime for class A license holders to open carry. So if you're a class A license holder, that's not a crime, but it's not traditionally an open carry state. Basically what it's telling me that white cops could go and just just start implementing who they assume has a license before asking the reason why i say that the reason why i say that is an assumption basically what i just read was a bunch of bullshit basically it's up to the discretion of the cop it it's a it's not an open carry state but it is but it's not but it is you know what i'm saying it is if you have a license but it's not so i could get a gun without a license but i can't go open carry without you know what i'm saying so how would you know i have the license without asking me you know what i'm saying and the thing is when i was seeing videos you would see police just chilling not even asking these militia groups if hey you got a class a license for that hey that's a huge rifle sir that's nice and shiny oh shit is that is that the new scope with with the plastic beam and the and the you know and the uh, rapid succession on oh shit, is that is that a tracer round oh oh god damn where you get that they didn't do none of that shit you know what they did? They stood shut. They didn't do nothing. They let them protest and have shit. If that shit was black, uh, black folks, do you guys know all them cars would have gotten towed? Every black protester would have got slapped with um, terrorist, uh, terrorist, uh, 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 terrorist charges on their record and shit. Oh, if that shit was black folks, man, they'll be like, oh, this is the new Black Lives Matters protesters 2.0. They just, 
they they were underground for some reason and they just came out of nowhere who knew massachusetts was a hub for these black thugs you know what i'm saying they would have they wanted to start making crazy shit up if somebody would have made a chant saying oh you know uh we're black we want pay we want equal rights say hey hey you know if they start saying crazy shit like, if they start chanting like that and these are black protesters they'll just be like black protesters thugs part of a new gang and they'll just make up a name the massachusetts riot squad you know some weird crazy shit like that but since it's white folks and they got confederate flags which is against the law by the way i believe it's against the law because they abandoned the confederate flag but I'm going to just say it's against the law until somebody corrects me. I, there's probably millions of people right now going to be like, actually, <laughs> actually, okay, whatever. But for what I'm going to just go based on what I think right now. I think the Confederate flag is against the law. You shouldn't be displaying it, right? So they that's cool. It's cool with them doing that. And now open carry in a state that you're not supposed to do so. Huh, for some reason, everybody just starts becoming shy with the law. Wait, Mr. Police White Man, aren't you supposed to be protecting the law? You know, you're supposed to be enforcing it, right? How come it's not enforced now? Huh, that's that's weird. That's very interesting. When it, when it comes to certain individuals where the law just, you know, ups and leaves when it, when it wants to. It's like it's driven by something. You know what I'm saying? Like let's let's not let's not get this whole thing twisted, my my people. Let's not get this whole thing twisted. We live in a system of white supremacy and because of these poor white folks again, I'm going to say this again. These poor white folks are feeling like they are being undervalued. They're feeling like they are being chastised and they're feeling like they're being, you know, harmed indiscriminately, indiscriminately. They have to take matters into their own hands. And this is one way, mind you, family, mind you, mind you this, check this out. We're in the, we're in the month of April. Okay. We're in the month of April. Actually, when this episode comes out, it's going to be April 20th, Hitler's birthday. And for some reason, it's like pothead day. Also 420, <laughs> 420. It's kind of, it's kind of weird how it's celebrated on there, but it's like a white supremacist holiday in the same time. And I've always said this and I've always heard it that around the month of April, non-white people especially black and Latin people have to be very very aware not scared but very aware of your surroundings in the month of april because that's a holy month for white supremacists you know it's hitler's birthday you know most most not all but most terrorists ter terror white supremacist attack happened in the month of april like i think the boston bombing happened in april um, Dylan Roof shot up that black church in April. The Oklahoma City bombing happened in April. So April's a um, very symbolic. Also, um, Columbine happened in April. So 
April was a very symbolic month for white supremacists because it's Hitler's birthday on April, April 20th. So they, they have to basically pay homage to their white supremacist God, you know, like Hitler and all of them, you know what I'm saying? So it's a very symbolic thing. And this is a thing that we got to understand with white supremacists that they go by tradition. And the less that you, the less tradition, you know, about them, the better, the better, you know what I'm saying? So that's something that we really got to understand now, moving on to my main topic. I know this is going to be short. I understand that, but you know, it was a very slow news week. You know what I'm saying? It's a very slow news week. All right. To my main topic, um, this. This topic is very, this story actually is very interesting. This is a very special story. This story of the Mendez versus Westminster is a story of Latinos coming together under one code. I want you guys to understand this under one code and a story that just that's not just about Mexicans, but it's a story about all Latinos, a story that provide, provide, paved, actually provide a story that paved the way for desegregation, not only in California, but the whole nation, this paved the way. Okay. This story right here helped out and made it possible for the Brown versus board of education win. This is something that we have to understand. Okay. And I'm going to get into more of the nuance, the more I go into this, but I want you guys to understand what the story is coming. You know, what's the story coming about, right? And again, this is a story that Latin people, us Latinos, not just Mexican, not just, you know, not just Mexican, but Latin people. This is something we got to understand that white supremacists, they see all Latin people as Mexicans. Let's keep that. Let's make that, you know, keep it clear. All right. Now this story starts out in September, 1943 with Soledad Verdoria goes into an all white school to register her children and her brother's children, which is, you know, which is Mendez, you know, which is Sylvia Mendez. Now the superintendent took Ms. Veredoria's children because they were light skinned and their last name kind of sounded a little, you know, a little French, but not Mendez, not Sylvia, not her, her brother's children, not Mendez because they were a little darker and mind you back then they could, they could do this shit. You know what I'm saying? They could freely do this shit. You know what I'm saying? So something we have to understand about the U S at this time, it was extremely segregated, even though Latin people at this time were classified as white, we did not receive those white benefits whatsoever. This is something we have to understand. The reason why Latin people were classified as white, and this is where the confusion comes in. 
into the into the conversation of Latin people of 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 our confusion. This is where the confusion comes in. Because at at that time, um, Mexico was already bought out by the U.S. and Mexico wanted their citizens to be protected, and it was only for Mexicans. And like I said before, to white supremacists, all Latin people are Mexican. So you're going to go classified under that white box. You're Dominican. Oh, what part of Mexico is that? That next to um, Costa Rica? Cool. Here you go. To, to them, there's no South America. All of that is Mexico. I'm saying all of that is Mexico. So that's this is the part of the confusion. Because when um, Mexico wanted their citizens to be protected, and the only way to be protected, and this is what the U.S. told Mexico, the only way to be protected is if the if your people classify as white on the census. And they said, okay, cool, not a problem, which is all bullshit, because that didn't go into real-world benefits. You know what I'm saying? But that's part of the confusion. And this, and this whole story right here proves that Latin people should not be classified as white and should not be classifying as white when you're Latin because you're not seen as white. And I'm going to go more into that. All right. I'm going to go more into that. There were tons of signs stating for whites, for only whites, no Negroes, Mexicans, which is all Latin people or dogs allowed by the way it wasn't always like this to to be completely honest for what my research shows it wasn't always like this before california became anti-latin latin people knew their place due to show social norms like unwritten rules in the community if you if you will you know what i'm saying um things that like social pressures kind of put into you you know what i mean in schools latin kids were allowed in the same classes as white children believe it or not but we were put in the black of the back of the class, you know, to separate from the white kids. So we would be there, but we wouldn't be all up in the mix. There would still be a separation in the classroom. And the reason why they, they did that so easily is because there weren't so many Latin kids, you know, up in that place. And the reason why they said, and they did all of this to separate Latin kids or Latin people in general is because we were dirty and we carry disease. This is what the belief was. We were dirty and we carry disease. Now, when our population grew, that's when the rules started to take place. That's when the anti-Latin rhetoric started to come about. Latin people couldn't buy property in certain areas, you know, only for whites, you know, you know, even though you were class, even though you were classified as white, you weren't white enough to get some of these areas. Latin people were redlined, even though we were classified as white. They put us in these little ghettos. Ah, they, they redlined us. Latin people couldn't swim, even though we were classified as white. We couldn't swim. They knew who the fuck white people were and who weren't. Hmm. Latin people couldn't use many things that were meant for whites only, even though we were classified as white. What's 
what's so what's the benefit of that white classification if i'm not getting anything you see people this is all a game you see people this is all a game we shouldn't be allowing this honorary white status on us they know they know who's white and who's not let's keep it real which goes to show that white oh that white classifications in your mind you know what i'm saying this goes to show that but that won't translate to real world benefits like i said before now back to this case sylvia mendez the daughter that was denied education due to her skin is Mexican and Puerto Rican. But let's be honest, under the rules of white supremacy, she's Mexican. That's it. That's Puerto Rican. That's a little town in Mexico. Fuck out of here. You know? Because to them, all Latin people are Mexican. Goes to her. Now she's go she's telling her them. Now they're telling her to go to her little rundown segregated school. You know? At this point, because she got rejected, her father flips out and starts taking action. He goes, talks to everyone in the school or board, um, board of ed and everybody. And you know what they tell him? They tell him nothing. Nothing can be done. No, the fuck out of here. This is what it is. You know, you guys aren't white. You know, you guys are classified as white, but we know who's white on that. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of my face. That's what basically happened. So what the Mendez family did was they hired the lawyer, David Marcus, who is a Jewish lawyer and pre and also a civil rights lawyer who previously won a lot of Latin people's cases for civil, for civil rights. He actually won it. So they were like, yo, let's, let's do this. So what the lawyer told Sylvia's dad was we have to show that this is a perpetual or uh, perpetuating thing. We have to show that they constantly do this, not only to you, but to many others. And guess what? Sylvia's dad got many testimonies of other Latin people, kids getting segregated and treated like this in school because it wasn't that hard to find. Also, Sylvia's dad convinced four other Latin families to unite and get together on one code and go sue Westminster. This is what, this is what he did. Now I want to, this is where I got to pause for a second. I got to explain something. This case wasn't initially, wasn't about segregation. It was about this uh, discrimination. Because since Latin people were classified as white, they couldn't pull the race card. They have to pull the discrimination card. You know what I'm saying? So they couldn't say this is racist because on paper, white people can't be racist with other white people. You know what I'm saying? So the Mendes family weren't, um, were fighting, you know, um, this, uh, discrimination for the, for the schools, but they weren't. Now this is also another thing. They weren't fighting for desegregation for the schools for all kids. They were not fighting that. They were only fighting for the Latin kids in that district, which is the 19th district. That's something we have to understand and something I got to make very clear. But, but this, what, this is what happened initially, but this 
what happened initially motivated for the start that later ended up changing and the traction that ended up happening for the board versus Brown or Brown versus board case. You know what I'm saying? So initially it wasn't, it wasn't even supposed to, you know, be for all kids. It was only for, Hey, listen, my life family is getting discriminated. Fuck it. But then later on it became larger than that. You know what I'm saying? Now without that, with that out the way, let's continue. So now they're in court and people are being called to testify and give statements. But this one statement from the superintendent is extremely telling because it shows the open white supremacy that they had and the open white supremacy that they taught about Latin people. This is what the, they thought about us. This is what they thought. And it's very, very eye opening for the time because mind you all Latin discrimination and all Latin um, you know, racism was out in the open, but it's kind of not really taught. And it's kind of like we're in the, in the sidelines going like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a suffer too, but yeah, I didn't suffer like that. And I'm saying for some reason, you know, we're kind of like erased, but this is what, this is what the superintendent said. And this is what the idea is at the time. I and mean, actually it still is to this day, believe it or not. Check this out. The most shocking testimony came when James L. Kent, the superintendent of the Garden Grove School District, took the stand and said he believed people of Mexican descent were intellectually, culturally, and morally inferior to European Americans. Even if a Latino child had the same academic qualifications as a white child, he would never allow them to enroll in a white school. That superintendent had written a thesis and said how Mexicans were immoral, how we were dirty, how we had bugs in us, and how we did not belong to, we did not belong in a white school. Wow, kind of sounds a little Hitlerish, doesn't it? Ah, <laughs> kind of sounds a little Hitlerish, doesn't it? That we cannot basically get to the level of white kids' in intellect. We aren't capable of that. This is the thinking of the time. This is what they taught. This is what they think. And on top of that, they said that our language was inferior, even though Spanish is a European language, but whatever, that our language is inferior and we wouldn't, we wouldn't simulate well in this, in this uh, country, which is insane because that's kind of the same thing that we hear today, isn't it? But listen, but look at all the double standards that's happened, not the double standards, but the, the illogical um, mindset of what's happening. We're classified as white, but yet we aren't smart as Europeans. So what the fuck is white then? Please tell me, Mr. White Man. What is white? You know what I'm saying? What is white? Because this superintendent is obviously white. He know what white is. So how come we fucking classifying as white? But they know the difference. They know that we aren't as smart, which is all bullshit. It's all so pseudoscience. We aren't as smart as white kids. And even if we have the same education as white kids, 
we still could not compete. In fucking sane. But yet we're classified as white though. Insane. That's insane. Let's move on. Now this whole court case took eight months and it was decided that it was unconstitutional and the Mendez family won the case. I know, crazy, right? Oh my God, happy ending. No, not so fast. The story doesn't end here, all right? The story doesn't end here. But the ninth, the ninth, this is what the 19th district did. They filed an appeal. This is where it gets a little juicy. They filed an appeal, which means that what, what this, what this, um, judge just ruled isn't going into law and needs to be halted. We still have to decide because of the appeal. Now this is what happened when it drew national attention because of the appeal. This is what drew national attention because now the Mendez family saw that it was bigger than them. And this wasn't taking up to the Supreme court. It was taken, taken up to the federal court. That's the reason why it isn't so big and it's kind of, you know, unskewered from the, from the pages of history. Now at this time, the, uh, the, the Mendes family had the backing from the Latin coalition, the Jewish league, the Japanese league, like all like the Jewish, Japanese, Latin Avengers and shit, the, 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 their version of the justice league and the double ACP, the NAACP, which is very, very interesting and very important for this story because the lawyer for the NAACP who helped the family out did it so they could set up the roadmap for board for Brown versus board seven years later. Talk about a chess move. Talk about a chess move that this lawyer basically said, you know what? I see the potential in this. And I see that this could be a stepping stone for something greater. Talk about chess move. Now, after they won, after they won the desegregation of the school of the 19th district in California for Latin kids, they also opened the door for everybody else to desegregate their other schools for everyone, not just Latin kids for black and Latin kids all together because the governor was basically pressured off of this case. He was pressured because of the national attention that it was getting that he signed to law to desegregate all the schools in the whole state. So as you guys know, that's when, you know, charter schools started to pop up, you know, um, because they weren't under the regulation of the law and it was only for whites. That's when charter schools started to pop up. But anyway, that's neither here nor there, but this, I hope you guys learned. This is, um, our wonderful history on how we desegregated California for Latin people. And we helped everybody else that get, get desegregated. And we went a stepping stone for board Brown versus board. I want you guys to get yourself a big pat in the back, round of applause. Woo! You know what I'm saying? 
but this is something that us Latin people gotta be proud of. This is part of our history of Latin American history that we were a part of and we helped out. You know what I'm saying? Um, also on the description down below, I'm going to link two videos that is very inform uh, informative part of the, of the Mendes versus one minister. And it probably gives you a little bit more details that I didn't cover here. You know what I'm saying? I got, I got, I got two, one from Sylvia Mendes herself and the other one from a historian, you know, talking about it. You know, I hope you guys check it out. Also, you guys can check it out in the details on the podcast app, but my, my Latin people, mi familia, I want you guys to be very proud of yourselves, your heritage, you know, and get away from this European mindset. Just try to get away from it. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of how white you might think you look or they tell you that you are, don't believe it. Don't believe it's all a game. It's all a game. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like the devil, the devil's a liar. You know what I'm saying? The devil's a liar, you know, but I want you guys to be very proud. And this is a, a very important, um, example of how Latin and black people helped out each other. You know what I'm saying? Which I always talk about saying that Latin people gotta help out black people get reparations. The reason why is because whatever helps black people out will in turn help Latin people out in the long run or inadvertently with whatever we need and vice versa and vice versa. And this is the reason why, cause you know, reparations on the table now politically, you know, we gotta go out there and, you know, support black folks with our numbers. You know what I'm saying? They, they, black folks need reparations, black Americans, especially. You know, they need reparations, you know, like let's cut the bullshit. But, um, Latin people, my, mi gente, we gotta be very, very proud of ourselves that we helped and became the stepping stone for desegregation in schools. You know what I'm saying? Without us, there wouldn't be no Brown versus board. You know what I'm saying? So give yourself a big round of applause. Hold your head up high when you're walking right next to a school. Even though you're probably under in detention or whatever, but fuck it, be like, yeah, I did this shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, be very proud and all that. But um, with that being said, I'm gonna wrap it up. I know it wasn't as long, or maybe it is long, I don't know, but I'm gonna wrap it up now. Um, remember guys, if you guys wanna support me, hit me up on Cash App, dollar sign Radical Latino, or go to my website, radicallatino.com, and go to the donate button and just Hit up your boy with anything you want. It's up to really you. I'm not, I, re I really don't care. It's up to you. You know what I'm saying? Also, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at the same name. Radical underscore Latino underscore. And I'm going to catch y'all later.